Quadcast Nation, we're hitting you up with a mini cast. Yes, we got Dr. Stephanie Johnson Abasaki, and we are talking about saliva testing in regards to COVID-19. First of all, with Stephanie, I've known her since forever ago, which you hear about, but she is an ear, nose, and throat physician. She's got her master's of public health. She's an assistant professor through the University of Ottawa, and she's one of the lead researchers in terms of evaluating saliva testing. And what you hear in this conversation is that what the potential for introducing saliva testing in Canada, how it could impact wait times, how it could impact turnaround times for COVID testing how it could increase the reach for patients and families that might have less access to testing. So this is a really intriguing conversation. I really hope that in Canada, we are bringing this to the table. I know this is currently available in BC, and it sounds like from our conversation, this will be available in some places in Ontario as well. But I think this could be a potential game changer. So without further ado, our conversation with Dr. Stephanie Johnson Obaseki. Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm Kwadra Karamante. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients, and their families because inefficiencies, overwork, and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified, and just for everyone involved. Dr. Stephanie Johnson Obaseki, welcome to the quadcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. We were just chatting a little bit about how we first met, and I'm a little nervous. I don't recall. I know it was about 2005, 2006, somewhere in there. So do you remember this? I do. 2006, you were my senior on respirology. Yep. And I was like, who is this clown? <laughs> How did he get a medical degree, right? Oh my God. I totally forgot about that. That was some good times though. Yeah. You know, those are, we did share some laps and that was probably also 2006. That's probably the last year I was happy. (laughs) (laughs) So Steph, we are talking about saliva testing. We are in an era where lineups are ridiculous. We're seeing increased cases. You know, and I think you have a potential solution that can improve the status of testing throughout Canada. So how did we get there? So tell us a little bit about saliva testing. So I'm, as you mentioned earlier, I'm a cancer surgeon. And so prior to the pandemic, I was using saliva-based testing in exploring how HPV cancers come about and sort of in that realm. And so when the pandemic came along, the thought between myself and some of my research colleagues was that potentially saliva could be used for the detection of COVID RNA virus. Excellent. Excellent. So obviously there was a high need in March for testing in general. So what were the next steps for you to get involved in this? So it was kind of a culmination of many relationships that I had built over the years and then some forming of new ones. So I had worked with the company DNA Genotech in the past for the HPV-related research. And so that connection came fairly naturally. And I had worked with John Trickett, who runs the testing centers in Ottawa in the past on another project. So it was kind of tapping into relationships that I had used or worked together with people in the past. And then 
the reaching out to the National Microbiology Laboratory in Winnipeg was a new relationship, but certainly a very rewarding one um, in that they are really at the forefront of decision-making around testing for COVID. And obviously, they have an extreme wealth of information and knowledge around laboratory techniques and testing. So a lot of collaboration, a lot of wonderful things happening. So how effective is the saliva testing? Where do you see it, the advantages and where do you see it best being utilized? So in our study, which is pretty similar to many other studies, no testing method thus far is perfect. So we sampled just under 2,000 people from Brewer, and of those, 70 people were positive, 34 of which were concordant, meaning the, the samples matched up between swab and saliva. 22 were positive with swab alone, and then 14 were positive with saliva alone. So that just sort of demonstrates that neither the swab nor the saliva was perfect, but it seemed that swab picked up more positives than saliva did. So that's important to consider that no one test is going to be perfect. And the second part of your question was, where do we see saliva being used then, acknowledging that it's not perfect? I think the overarching theme would be to bring more people into the, we'll call it the testing arena. So having access to testing for more people overall. So, you know, populations that come to mind, inner city groups that might have a difficult time accessing a testing center, people in rural communities, and then sort of more challenging populations like children or elderly people in long-term care facilities. I love it. I love it. The reason I think I get really excited about it is not only does it increase the access to people, but it also, you know, if you're not needing a healthcare professional to do the test, that frees them up to be frontline, that it frees them up to be in the OR, frees them up to be in the long-term care facility or what have you. So, you know, it's an amplifier. It allows people to, to have less resources involved in testing and bring them back to where the other healthcare needs are. You know what I'm saying? That's right. And then another piece to build on what you're saying is all of the PPE that's required Word. to run the testing facility. So even if we decrease, I don't envision uh, us not having testing or assessment centers, but even if we decrease the volume and therefore the PPE required, I think you would see a huge cost savings there as well. Amen. It's just extremely resourceful. And we've seen the lineups, man. Like both of us have seen through our own lives or the lives of our colleagues, the amount of time and testing that's happening now is with kids being back to school is like the volume is so much. And so to be able to do anything to mitigate that, I think would be super valuable. And seeing a kid in their nasal swab, oh my God. And knowing that there could be a, a much simpler uh, version of that, I think is just a lot of upside. I guess another thought too is, is that people who have the ability or the bandwidth to go to a testing center, up until this week, you had to wait multiple hours in line. So you have to have the ability to get to the testing center you have to have a job that allows you to be gone for multiple hours. So I guess one of my concerns is that we're targeting populations of people who are of higher socioeconomic status, potentially. Mm. And so, you know, what we don't want to do is limit access to testing to people who have the ability to reach a testing center. We want to test people as broadly as possible. Yeah. And the dangerous thing about having those massive lines is you don't want it to be a deterrent. Like not only is it, you know, as you mentioned, the socioeconomic uh, advantage point, but that's another deterrent, but just like whatever socioeconomic status you are, if you know you're waiting six hours, some people will be more reluctant to 
go for the test. Whereas, you know, if I'm not crazy, Stephanie, you could take the test at home, bring in your sample or someone could collect it or what have you, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is golden. And as you said, no test is perfect, but I think there still could be a way to work around this, whether, I don't know if you have further theories on whether it's people you think are high risk or low risk, but I definitely think this is something that needs to be taken seriously and let's get moving on this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. And so like, where are we at with our saliva testing? Do you see it being evaluated any other locations? Is it going to be a reality in Canada? What do you think? Yeah, so the weeks kind of blend together, but I believe it was last week, BC approved saliva testing. Yes. And then just today, there was a news release that the pilot for saliva testing was rolled out in Toronto. They are still using saliva tests, to my knowledge anyways. Both of them are using what we call raw saliva. So saliva that's just expectorated into a container and then that has to get to a lab essentially immediately because RNA is quite unstable. Mm -hmm. Differs a little bit from the kits that we used for our study in that ours had a preservative and a virucidal substance. So it makes it a little bit easier to ship safely to a lab Mm. and more stable. So anyways, Toronto rolled out testing today using saliva and BC last week. So I suspect that the other provinces will follow suit. And I suspect that if things go smoothly in Toronto, then they'll probably roll it out in the rest of the province. Hopefully not just in the setting of a testing center, but I certainly understand why they would start in the setting of a testing center, because that's what we know and that's what's been working for us so far. Awesome. And if I'm not mistaken, Steph, the NBC, it's exclusive for children. Is that what they're planning in Toronto? Do you know? So Toronto is under 16, as well as people who, quote unquote, can't tolerate it or, you know, have a deviated septum. So you actually physically can't get the swab into their nose. Hmm. Awesome. I got to say, Steph, we call it changing the boogie, man, changing the landscape. (laughs) You're doing this thing. Mama three cancer surgeon, fixing testing in Canada. I love it. You got anything else you want to add to this bad boy? Just to thank the people that were key in this collaboration. TOH was really super supportive. NML in Winnipeg has been super supportive and DNA Genotech as well. So without those groups, I certainly couldn't have made that project go through. So I'm really appreciative. Absolutely. Thanks for that. And uh, also, this sounds like a random shout out, but just a shout out also to all those people in those testing centers while we have an audience. Man, they're facing COVID right in front of their faces and doing the tough work. It's just amazing that people are willing to just do what they need to do to play their part in in terms of combating COVID-19. And you're certainly doing your part. And I just want to commend you and your team for all the work you do. Well, that's a good point. The team at Brewer was probably the most enjoyable research experience I've ever had. They were so supportive and so innovative. It was really a unique experience to work there. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you, Steph. And I hope to see you soon and stay healthy. Thanks. You too. Quadcast Nation, I hope you enjoyed that minicast. Just a quick update by Dr. Stephanie Johnson Obasaki. She is, like I said, changing that boogie. Follow us on YouTube, Twitter, or Instagram at Quadcast. Leave any comments at Quadcast99 at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, don't hesitate to leave that five-star rating. It makes all the difference in the world, increases that visibility of the show. We really appreciate that. And guys, stay healthy, and we'll connect again real soon. Peace.